0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to get started today in First Thessalonians. Say that quick five times. First Thessalonians. This is a church, this is a letter that the apostle wrote to a church in Thessalonica. And he says here in verse 16 through 18. He says, be cheerful no matter what. Now, I've said this before, but whenever I've read this portion of scripture, I'm like, Paul, what, dude, how much wine did you drink that day? Because how can we be cheerful no matter what? I think he's coming to a, a more important point. He says, be cheerful no matter what. He says, pray all the time. Now, how many of us know what prayer is? It's not necessarily a certain time of day on your knees, by your bedside, prayer is communication with God, right? So he's saying to communicate with God all the time. How many of you know that's possible? To pray all the time, as we've seen, it might not be very easy to do because we have to go to work, we've got to pick up the kids from school, we've got to take them to practice. I mean, there's a lot of things we have to do. But what he's saying is, listen, always be thankful, but not only that, always keep this line of communication open to the Holy Spirit. He's always speaking to you, right? And then he says this, thank God no matter what happens, Say, whoa. Now, what I love here is that the Apostle Paul doesn't say, thank God for everything that has happened because he did it to you. He's saying, thank God no matter what happens. In other words, whatever circumstances come your way, how many have dealt with circumstances in their life? Some not so good. When those things come your way, don't forget to be thankful. Now, of course, this may be a little cliche. I mean, it's Thanksgiving. It makes me start to think of what I can be thankful for. But I think it's something in everyday life. We need to find something we can be thankful for. He says, thank God no matter what happens. He says, this is the way God wants you who belong to Christ to what? To live. So it's living this life of thankfulness. In other words, find something to be thankful for. Because sometimes we're in, in moments of life where, I mean, have you ever struggled to find something to be thankful for? Maybe you're going through that in your life right now where it seems like everything is crashing around you. And you're like, I, I can't find anything to be thankful for. Look at this in the mirror translation, verse 18. He says, your gratitude is not based on anything fragile or fading. But look at this. Secured in the fact that God's purpose for you was concluded In Christ Jesus. If you can't find anything else in life to be thankful for, here's the one thing you can be, but you're secured in the fact that God's purpose for you was concluded in Christ Jesus. If nothing else, if you're having one of those days or weeks or months or even years, you can simply say this you know what I'm thankful for? That I have purpose in life. It doesn't matter what's happening around me, I have purpose in life. So what I want to do this morning is I want to remind us of the good things that God has done for us and why we can always be thankful. And more specifically this morning, I want to talk about this idea, being thankful for my community. Say that with me, thankful for my community. Say it again, thankful for my community. That's really what I was getting to earlier. If, if you're looking for a local church, this, this is a community. This is a community of believers who, I'll even say this, we don't all agree on everything theologically. How many know that's okay? You know, sometimes when we get into this, and I hate using this word, but when we get into the religious realm, how many know the word religion actually is from the Latin, and it's two words. It's the word rei. And it's the word ligare. Ray re means return or return to. Ligare means to bind like a joint or ligament. So literally the word religion means to bring back or return to bondage. How I many know Jesus didn't come to bring us back to bondage? He wanted to bring us freedom. But when we say religion, I understand what we're saying. Even the apostle James says that we should live pure religion. What is pure religion? It's taking care of the widows and the orphans. So there's nothing wrong with religion. I just want us to understand that Sometimes in religious circles, we're told, okay, you're part of this denomination, so we're in this box. You can't go outside of this box. Don't read anything outside that box. Don't listen to anything outside that box. This is a, it's a really scary thing because what if? What if you strayed too far? I think the Holy Spirit's big enough to keep you where you need to be in life. But I also think that we need to allow him to be big enough in our life that when a new idea or a thought comes to us that's truly from him, that we can follow that, even if it takes us outside of our comfort zone, even if it takes us outside of our comfortable box. Does that make sense? And so for me, it's, especially the last probably decade, especially five years, if I can think back to the things that the Holy Spirit has brought me out of. Uh, I, I, I said this before that, you know, I've got this app called Evernote and it has every note from like 2011, I think is when I started this account. And sometimes I'll just cruise through to see what, you know, maybe what I preached back in 2011 or 2012. And I'm like, holy shnikes, what what was I thinking? What? Well, you were where you were. And so celebrate where you are in those moments, but know that the Holy Spirit is taking you on a journey here. And so in that journey, we're going to change the way we think on some things. And sometimes what religious um, boxes do is they keep us here. They say you can't go outside this box. If you do, you're going to get in trouble. But what I found is I found more freedom outside of that box. And what happens is really kind of neat is the Holy Spirit will say, hey, take that leap of faith and then you're not going to leap into the great wide open. I want you to just leap into the box next to you, next to that box. Because he understands as humans, sometimes we need parameters. You know, I remember my wife telling her testimony of, you know, growing up and not really having a whole lot of parameters in her life and not having religion as something that she followed. And when she first came to church, she said, I really needed something that would keep me focused and kind of keep me corralled for that moment in my life. And so she celebrates that moment in her life. But if I were to ask her today, hey, hon, do you believe differently than you did 30 years ago? What would the answer be? Oh, yeah. It just happens, right? And so I believe the Holy Spirit will he will keep us feeling secure. And In fact, look at this. He says, we're secured in the fact that God's purpose for you was concluded in Christ Jesus. That's our security right there. So even if we venture outside of the box and we look at some different things, sometimes I've ventured out, and I've talked to people, and I went, yeah, I don't know, that's not really jiving with me. And then I might step back over a little bit out of that box. But then other times people said stuff to me, I'm like, whoa, hold up, hold up, wait a minute. Put a little love in it. Remember that song? But I'm like, hold up. This is so different than what I believed or thought before. But then I let Holy Spirit just lead me into that, guide me into that. And I'm like, wow, there was such freedom on the other side. And I found this, that not only do I fall more in love with my source, with my father, I actually fall more in love with myself. And then in turn, I fall more in love with people. It's wild. Like the walls of separation come down. It's no longer us and them mentality. And and even for myself, the biggest struggle was loving myself and seeing myself as okay. But as Father shows me that, then I'm actually able to turn my gaze outward and look toward others. It's, It's just awesome. He says, your gratitude is not based on anything fragile or fading, but secured in the fact that God's purpose for you was concluded in Christ Jesus. So being thankful for community. I look at the definition of community, it's this. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. How many know that we love the kind of, they say, birds of a feather flock together? It's kind of hard sometimes to go outside of that, right? I think that's why it's important for us to grow in 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 our learning and thinking and have paradigm shifts in life because it opens us up to be able to hang with others. But what I found through this journey with Christ is that I can even sit at tables with people who I don't agree with. That's a really hard thing to do, right? I don't agree with this person. I mean, they're a Democrat and I'm a Republican or I'm a you know, Democrat and they're a Republican or I'm straight and they're gay or I'm gay and they're straight. And, and so we have all these walls that we build and it makes, us really, it makes it really hard to sit down. But what I found in the life of Christ is Jesus sat down with everyone. It didn't matter if they agreed with him or not. It didn't matter if they said, hey, I subscribe to your agenda. Yeah, the kingdom is within me. I'm going for it. But there was something about the time he spent with people when he would, he would empathize he would hear their story he would love them where they were and then change would begin to take place in their heart sometimes we wonder why man i just wish i could get more people to follow jesus well you got to spend time with people i think sometimes we go into it maybe with the wrong the wrong agenda I mean, not that it, your heart's wrong, but the agenda is I got to get this person saved. I got to get them to pray a prayer. I got to get them to turn to Jesus. You know, for some people, I got to get another salvation notch in my belt because, man, look at the souls I'm winning for Christ. But, but truthfully, what Jesus did is he spent time with people. And, and I think for a lot of us, it's like, that's great that you, you have the scriptures down to prove to people that they need Jesus. But maybe we need to take some time and sit down with them and see what's going on in their life. Actually truly take some initiative in that. Actually truly show them that we care. See, I believe Jesus did this. Jesus showed people that he cared. And he cared so much that it changed their thoughts. It changed how they saw life. It even changed their actions. But remember this, you're not doing this on your own, right? You're led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's within you. The kingdom's within you. So let that be what flows through you. And listen, I say this a lot, but the truth is, let love be the litmus test of whether the decision you're making is right or wrong, how you're treating that person is right or wrong. Always let love, always err on the side of love. You can't go wrong that way. Does that make sense? So a community, it's a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he really promoted this idea of community. He promoted the idea of, that went directly against the ideas of religion and empire, against the idea of the us and them mentality. He he wanted us to welcome people with open arms, didn't he? That's what Jesus did. Welcome people with open arms, despite their differences, despite their circumstances, despite their social status, simply to accept people where they are and provide a place that was not just welcoming, but safe. Sometimes I think in church, we're like, we're too interested to get them to pray the prayer. Listen, they may pray the prayer in due time, but what kind of relationship can you build with them that goes so much deeper than the prayer? Once they say, I'm following Jesus, whether it's just belief in their heart, whether it's a prayer, however that works, when they believe and say, I'm following Jesus, what friendship, what companionship will they have? What kind of relationship will they have for the journey? Because guess what? We all need relationship. We all need others, right? His purpose was for people to see who they truly are sons and daughters of a God who loves them, all with purpose and all with meaning. I think about the story of my life, the struggles that I went through. You know, I left church around 19 or 20 years old. I just, uh, I struggle with feeling like I measured up. You know, I was a pastor's son, pastor's kid. And so. I just thought, you know what? I'm not a faker. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not going to fake it. Sometimes I might even say things in the public. Like, did he just say that? Yeah, I did. Because I'm just, I'm kind of like, I'm an open book. I'm transparent. I'm honest. That's who I am. That's my personality. But I didn't feel like I could measure up. I didn't think I was good enough. And I even knew in my heart of hearts that I was called to ministry in some way, shape, or, or you know, form. But I just didn't feel like I could do that. But see, I found my way back by being loved regardless of my falling short, regardless of my issues. And I really want to create a place. I want to create a space where no matter what people are going through in life, they feel welcomed and they feel safe. They feel welcomed and they feel safe. I think the church needs this desperately. And I know... When you see someone going through something that's hurting them, you wanna to speak to that in their life and say the road you're going down, the lifestyle you're living, what you're doing, how you're responding, it's hurting you. You're gonna end up in a divorce. You're gonna lose your job. You're losing money. You can't. I mean, there's all these things we see and we see that it hurts them just like we do with our kids. But here's the thing. You can only speak to someone's heart if you have relationship with them. You can have the best intentions in the world Come up to someone and say, hey, listen, bro, I, I'm seeing this in your life. And they're like, who are you again? Does it make sense? That's why it's important to step into that realm of maybe being uncomfortable and, and getting to know people. Because it might end up being in some lifelong friendship and relationship you never knew you could have. But within that space, what happens is you create this thing called trust. And then once you create the thing called trust, I have guys that are so close to me. And they even, they even call me pastor, but if they see something in my life, they have every right to come and say, listen, man, I'm seeing this, been, it's not good. Now, do I go, yay, thank you, you're my, you're my great friend. <laughs> no, use. I'm like, hey, what, what are you talking about, right? We, we all kind of get defensive when people want to mess with those areas in our soul that need healing and restoration and help. But see, I know their heart for me. So even if it's hard to accept and hard to hear, in in my mind, I'm like, you know what? They're for me, though. They're not against me. They're for me. They care for me. They're saying this out of genuine love and care. And so it makes me really think about what they're saying. Does that make sense? And so that's really what relationship's about. So sure, people come in, they're broken. Uh, Welcome to the club, right? The broken club. We should not call it church, call it the broken people club because everyone's broken to a certain extent, some more than others, but it doesn't make one better than the other. But as people come in broken, which we should allow those people who don't have to pretend like they have it all together, as they come in broken and you see those things in their life, instead of walking up to them on the second Sunday and saying, hey, listen, I know how your life can be better. I need you to do this and we give them a list. Maybe say, hey, you want to go grab a coffee? Uh, do you want to go to lunch? Do you want to talk? Develop a relationship? I mean, you not have to say all that, but in your mind, you're thinking that, right? And maybe, just maybe, that friendship will lead to trust, which then leads you the ability to speak into the life and for them to speak into your life. What I love about the relationships that I have outside of the church, being involved in the Chamber of Commerce and knowing different business owners and stuff, when I do have the opportunity to sit down do you know sometimes they'll say things that help me grow? Well, well, Pastor, did they give you a Bible verse for it? No. They probably don't even read the Bible. But they spoke truth. Go back a few weeks ago, I can't remember the name of the message, but we talk about this idea of truth. The Apostle Paul on Mars Hill, he's proclaiming the gospel, but in the midst of the gospel, he quotes Greek poets. Paul, oh, how can you do that? You're not quoting scripture. He was meeting people where they were. See, truth has one source, God. The divine God, source, however you want to say it. Truth has one source, it's God. And sometimes I, I've seen people who have absolutely no relationship that they know of with this Jesus or this God, they'll speak something in my life and I'm like, that's truth, that bears witness. So, receive truth wherever you get it, embrace it, own it, call it yours isn 't that beautiful? But I think the story of my life it really wasn 't until people loved me, regardless of my issues that it started to bring me around, and it brought me to this place where positive changes begin to happen in my life. I love this in john three sixteen or actually john three seventeen we 're so used to sixteen right for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That what? Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Beautiful scripture, but verse 17 brings it in the context, right? Look at this. For God did not, say did not, send his son into the world to what? Condemn the world. That's interesting because sometimes I hear a different message preached. Look at this. But to save the world through him. Now this word condemned in the original, it means to judge or to punish. Most of us probably know that. So think about this. God did not send his son into this world to judge or punish the world. Is it already kind of tweaking your thinking? The word in the Greek actually means this as well, to separate or to pick out. God didn't send his son into this world to separate people over here and over there to pick out. Like some doctrines would say that God walked down the street and went, heaven, heaven, hell, heaven, heaven, hell. All for his glory. He's created some for heaven and some for hell. What a horrible doctrine. Jesus himself said, listen, I did not get sent to this world to separate or to pick between who was in and who was out, he said, and the Apostle Paul agrees with this in his letters, that all have been included. Every single person who's ever lived after the cross is included in this. And if you want to get really technical, the scriptures tell us that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. See, we're in time, right? So, we have these questions like, well, Jesus came here and the world's this old, or for some it's this old, whatever you believe, I don't really care. I know who the source is, right? But we see this, 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 this time frame and we live within time, but God is outside of time. And he was the, the, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's why I don't really worry about before the cross. I think God really has this all figured out. How about you? I think love has this figured out. But, but my question is, what about, what about the here and now? What message am I preaching or talking to people about here and now? Am I awakening them to their sonship or their daughtership? Really important, right? For God did not send his son into the world to judge, punish, separate, or to pick out the world, but to save the world. That's the word SOZO, which means a deliverance, preservation, safety, wholeness, healing, rescue. It's a beautiful word. So think about this. Community, talking about here and now, friendships and relationships, community begins with all caps here, no condemnation. That's how it has to start. When people come into this local community, We need to have a community that begins with no condemnation, no judgment, no punishment, no separation, and no picking out. Now I know for some of us this might be foreign. It might sound odd. You might have to get outside the box a little bit. But this is what Jesus said. Let's not even blame Pastor Andy. Jesus said this and then I see him in his life in the way that he welcomed everyone he was fully inclusive of everyone the only time that I saw him get a little bit riled up is when it came to the religious community why because they were separating and picking out and judging and punishing I mean even the fact that says that he ate with sinners and tax collectors I think it's kind of funny he puts those together right But sinners and tax collectors, the word sinner isn't someone who just, oh, he sins a lot. No, sinner was a label that was put on people who the temple establishment said, you no longer can worship with us. You're out. It's us against them. And that's where Jesus got riled up. Why? Because he wasn't sent to this world to punish or judge or separate or pick out. It's pretty powerful. And then the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10, verses 22 through 25, he says, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promise that keeps us going. He always keeps his word. Look at this. Let's see how inventive we can be. I love the way that, that Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love, and helping out. Isn't it just a beautiful way to say it? Hmm, what can we do? What way can we encourage love and helping out? He says, not avoiding worship together, some versions say forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Look at this in the mirror translation. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's actually the RSV. RSV says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. But look at this in the mirror, verse 25, in the light of our free access to the Father, let us extend that embrace to one another. So the same way that the Father loves you, you need to extend that same love to them. First John four nineteen, the Apostle John tells us that we love, why and how? Because he first loved us. So you, you have to understand the love Father has for you. You have to understand that your very image and likeness of him is built in love. And once you do, what are we told by the apostle here? To actually embrace one another with that same love. He says our gatherings are no longer a repetition of tradition, but an essential fellowship where we, where we remind one another of our true identity. Did, did you just get that? See, I used to think church, don't tell anybody. But I used to think that church was the place where I go so people can tell me how bad I am. So people can tell me how much I'm messing up. How much I've missed the mark. Hamartia, sin, that's the word in the Greek, right? You know the word hamartia in the Greek actually means to live outside of your true identity, what would happen if we actually, look what he says here. He says, our gatherings are no longer a repetition of tradition, but an essential fellowship, Listen, where we remind one another of our true identity. You know what works better than, man, brother, you really suck. You know what works better than that? Hey, brother, I see what's going on here, but do you know who you truly are? Do you know your actions come out of your identity? Do you know who you truly are? We're to remind each other of our true identity. That is awesome. He says, let us do so with greater urgency. Now the day has dawned in our understanding. Now one translation says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as some do. Have you ever looked around at culture and realized that culture today is walking away from churches? Doesn't matter how big or small the church is. I mean, at one point we were running, what, 250, 200 pretty consistent back in the good old days, if you want to call them that. You know, now we have 100, maybe 125 show up on a Sunday throughout the building. What's going on in church culture? I talked to pastors who, you know, they were at 1,700 and now they're at 12. We're like, oh my God, they're still at 12. Yeah, but that's 500 people lost. Well, where are people going? What's going on? Why is culture leaving in the church? We need to be the culture that changes the perception of Christianity, because a lot of people think Christianity is what they see on you know television or what they see on Facebook. And I'm telling you right now, I wish some people somehow would forget their passwords and never be able to log into Facebook or social media again as a Christian. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, man, when, when you speak, it's like hatred and bigotry come out of your mouth. And then in the next sentence you say, Jesus is Lord. Is he? Wow, pastor, you're getting a little, I know. I'm, I'm just telling you, sometimes I'm like, stop saying you're a Christian. Stop saying you're a follower of Jesus. Listen, I know we're all on a journey, but man, some of us, we just need to like marinate and soak in his love we need to somehow look at the life of Jesus and soak in that for a while so somehow we can stir up that love and true identity so every time something comes up on social media we don't feel like we have to change it listen you're not going to change anyone's mind on Facebook I had one brother I mean he's my relative he would get on and I I had to defriend him That's not my heart. The stuff he would post, I'm like, man, dude. He's like, listen, that's my mission, man. I'm called. I just got to call out truth. I'm like, yeah, but it's supposed to be truth, spoken, in love. Where's the love? Oh, this is love, man. Okay. Listen, not judging him. I'm just saying, it doesn't feel like Jesus to me. (laughs) It doesn't. And now we're coming up on another election year. Oh, praise the Lord. It's going to be so wonderful and beautiful because God's a Republican. No, he's a Democrat. No, he's an independent. It's like, he's none of those. (laughs) Put kingdom first. Sure, vote. Be a good citizen. But be a good citizen of the kingdom of God first. See see where that gets you. You you might actually start voting differently than you have in the past. I'm just saying, it it might wreck you a little bit in your thought process. It has me. It really has. And you get to a point where you're like, I'm so thankful I live in this country. But my allegiance is to God. My allegiance is to the kingdom before anything else. The kingdom covers the entire gamut of the entire world. So, what gospel are we preaching? I didn't mean to harp on that. It's just, I know it's coming. That's a big wave. But we need to be the culture that changes the perception of Christianity. Changes the perception of church, what it means to belong to the body of Christ. What does that look like to those who? Are outside in the world, not inside with us. Now I don't say that as an us and them, but let's be honest. Some people just they don't want to darken the door of a church. They have no interest in it because they gauge it on social media and what the latest big preacher has said. And when it's full of hatred, when it's full of exclusion, you know it blows my mind. We were watching something the other day, a show on Netflix. Yep, we have Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. But we're watching a show, and this this girl is interviewing other girls and and. and but what I'm hearing in their voice is inclusion, care, love, acceptance. And we've turned those into bad things like, well, see, you, that's the world. They just let anything goes. I'm not saying that anything goes in the church, but we certainly can have acceptance and love and we can appreciate people and we can empathize. Listen, I have friends that I don't agree with. We, we think differently on things, and they know that I think differently, but we're still friends. Why? Because they're human beings with emotions and loves and desires and, and, and things that have gone wrong in their life and tragedy and brokenness, just like me. And so my goal is to have friendship with them, but you know, through that friendship, I've had friends who were atheists who are no longer atheists now. And it wasn't because I gave them a bunch of scripture verses, they don't care about scripture verses. They're atheists. So there's got to be a different way to reach them. I think the, the, the way we reach everybody is love. It's not some pie in the sky wish. It's not some utopia. It's not, oh, when we love, nothing cares. No, love, love really cares about people. I love my children so much that I will help them get out of actions and deeds and things that they do because I love them so much. And they wouldn't go, wow, my dad loves me so much. You're like, man, my dad's mean. No, I love you, son. But we're gonna, we need to change your mind on this. We need to use this as an opportunity to change your thinking. See, love isn't just ooey-gooey. Sometimes it hurts. Love hurts. Who did that? Come on, what band? Nazareth. Nazareth. Yeah, we opened up for them years ago. Do you remember that? That was awesome. At the Capitol Theater in Flint. That doesn't even matter. It doesn't apply to this message, but... See, here's the key. God is relational. And I think sometimes we struggle. We're like, well, they have a different lifestyle. I don't agree with it. That's okay. You can still love them. You can still have a relationship with them. You don't have to agree. You don't have to say everything you're doing is okay. But what we don't do is we don't just meet someone and say everything you're doing is not okay. Build relationship. Let Holy Spirit work on the heart of people because you don't save anybody. He does. Does that make sense? So it takes the pressure off. He is into community-driven culture. Why? Because Father wants to be known by relationship. We look at the life of Jesus, who was God in flesh. He was inclusive. Look at his life. He would appreciate. He would encourage. He would even admonish others in order to give them truth that would set them free. So can we be utilized the same way? Can we care for? Can we appreciate? Can we encourage? And even at times, once you build a relationship, can we admonish others and bring them to a place of freedom. Why? Because we're sharing the truth in love. Because life's not about being a loner. We all need relationship. And I think about this. What better place than a, the place that, like this where we can reconnect people to our source, to our origin, which is love. That's really what I envision Face City to be. I want to wrap up in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm trying to give you a little bit of time because it's going to be 40 by noon and all that ice would be gone. Chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. I I just, this scripture is beautiful. Yes, and it's in the Old Testament. Hmm. It's okay to apply Old Testament, right? It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. How many know that sometimes in life when you have two or three or four, especially just think about like if you have to move something. You ever move like a couch? You ever had friends come over and say, hey, I need you to help me real quick. Moving a couch, you're like, great. Then you get there and re- realize it's one of those like, in-bed couches. Like it's gonna, you're like, why did I even say yes to this, right? Who else did you invite? Just you. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm going to be thankful in all things, Lord. But how many know when you move a couch like that, Like two's better than one? And three or four, whoo, that's awesome, right? Especially get through that narrow door. How did you get the couch in here in the first place? Did you take it apart? But think about in life, when you're going through life on this journey. If you want to be a loner, I guess you can try that route. But man, it's so much easier to do life with others. People you can trust, people you can confide in, people that you know that even when they speak to your heart and it doesn't feel ooey-gooey, you know they're speaking out of love and they're calling you out on some things, but you know their heart. I mean, a lot of us in here, we've had personal relationships where we've had to call each other out on some things, right? And what happens in the end is we actually are able to enter into restoration and healing because when you admit that stuff, it just opens you up to allow the Holy Spirit to identify, not to shame, but to identify and then heal and restore. That's awesome. He says, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I guess really the important thing today for me to get across is the across is the importance of the local church body and for a lot of you you call this place home but I would encourage you to spend more than just Sunday mornings with people maybe just step out of the comfort zone say hey you want to go out for lunch now listen prepare yourself they might be the kind of people they haven't got to that place you're like no why would I want to do that don't get offended it's okay why would Pastor say that to me? I'm just kidding. You can take me out to lunch anytime. But be prepared for that. But I think most people are looking for relationships. People come to a place like this, looking for people who believe some of the same things, people they can, you know, become companions with in this journey we call life. I mean, that's what this is about. But then it doesn't just stay here. It goes outside these four walls. But I think this is, I don't know who said it, but Sunday morning is like you immerse, and then disperse. But as we disperse, how many relationships are we building and taking with us to help us in this journey? So maybe this is a challenge of some of us that, you know what, I go like one or two Sundays a month, but maybe I need to try an extra one. And maybe I need to get involved in a department or helping someone or maybe a relationship and reaching out, stepping out. I know some of us aren't all built for that, but you know, for those of us who are, Reach out. And for those of you who aren't, when someone reaches out, maybe say, Okay, doesn't mean you're gonna be best friends for life, BFS for life. <laughs> I mean you might get together and hang out and go, Wow, we have nothing in common, but we have Jesus in common. That's awesome. Does that make sense? I think that today's message is simple in words, but it can be hard in deed or action. So it's really about us stepping out. Let's determine to be a community of believers that see the importance of sharing grace, love, and no condemnation with others. Because I am thankful for community. Say that with me. I am thankful for community. Say it one more time. I am thankful for community. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always...